So welcome back, all four listeners who we just named right before we started, of Eric, Jennifer, Nicole, and Jason, uh, and anyone else who actually might stumble across this and oh, what is this? Uh, we are City of Geek, and we're returning after two years. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, we recorded a, a best of for last year that got lost in the mix, uh, so we're kind of Coming back and hopefully we'll continue. Lost in the mix. Uh-huh. Lost in the mix. You never know. That's what Bob tells us. Yeah. I don't know if we believe Cover him. Cover up. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like your top ten, so I said choose better movies and play <laughs> I want you guys to agree with me and only with me. Um, so anytime I wish something and you guys have something off it, it's just, I'm deleting it. But we are returning after after break and hopefully continue on. Every few weeks we'll see. And things will go from there. But anyway, we are City of Geek. We're going to talk about our top ten and bottom couple of uh or most disappointing Thank couple <laughs> of the of the year names to voices i am bob cody kim tony and um we had to uh, start talking about our our, our list so we, cause we tend to go on long for this particular one um but uh we're doing a top 10 starting from 10 going up uh, about three we'll stop and do our disappointings and then do our top ones from there some honorable mentions along the way but uh, thank you for anyone who might be listening, and of course, um, get send us a message if you disagree with us, and put that out there now. And if you find us on uh, however you found us, we're glad you're here. Uh, so, and if uh, one of us has the same movie further up the list, we'll delay, and That's we will say that, and we will come back to it. I when guarantee it's the you, stuff it is, I have some stuff it. on here that no one is going to have because I've seen so many, so little movies. <laughs> I, I've seen literally two movies and are not horror movies. This wow. year. Well, because, like I said, every time I go to a movie, mm. it's with my mom. We sure, go see sure. a horror movie. I, you know, anything I've watched. I'll, and honestly, sometimes I just don't want to sit down and watch it. That's sometimes good. there's just like, I'd just rather watch The Lost Boys again. Which I got a 4K <laughs> of for Christmas. Nice. Very Woo-hoo. nice. The, um, yeah, I think this year I ended up with 93, which is my lowest in couple Holy shit, Kim beat you. Kim beat me I this did. year. Yeah, what, what was your number? Uh, 113, yes. but as I was saying before we started, 12 of those were Hallmark movies. <laughs> which is what we're talking about. We're talking about our top 10 Hallmark movies of mm-hmm. the year. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Norwegian Holiday really got to me. What can I say? Oh, I spoiled it. That was my number one. Oh, sorry. Personally, I like the one with the Grinch. And he was like laying the pipe. He was he was laying it in. He was laying it in on the who's. And you know, honestly, sometimes the Grinch Triple X is just what needs to hit you. It's just what uh, you need to just like hit you right in the field. Right in the fields. Mm. All right. Well, I I broke my record of the least number of 2023 movies. I saw 19 of them, and that was it. Oh wow! I did watch a lot of old stuff. In fact, I was seriously debating instead of in lieu of a top 10 doing like a top six or seven and then just talking about old movie discoveries but as it happens i did find 10 films that i enjoyed more than enough to put on this list and i guarantee you there's at least a couple that are not on any of your lists but that's the wonderful thing about top 10 lists Uh i'm gonna stop for a second just so we can listen to this to make sure that everything's recording okay Um, i got my grinch dick in all right, continuing on. All right, cool. Right oh, that's that's a lot better. Right. Is that better? Right. Yeah, at least I'm see I'm, I'm coming up higher. Are we are we starting over again? No, no, no. <sighs> so that means we don't have to go through Cody's uh, <laughs> Grinch Triple X joke twice. <laughs> hey man, you could have riffed. You know, you could have been doing some way different stuff. You could have branched off into you know 
Grinch positions. Grinch like positions. That, you know? <coughs> hey, that's the sequel. That is the sequel. Grinch Triple X2, Grinch positions. You made a, a three sizes larger joke. Come on. Hey, missed opportunity. Yeah. Dude, 37. You know, for next year, I'm going to write out some very detailed <laughs> Grinch porn jokes. We're going, like, we're going full in. We're going POV shots. We're going, like, caught on camera. We're going fake taxi, but it's the Grinch. We're going bang bus, but it's the Grinch bus. <laughs> Who would get into that bus? Um, Probably the mayor. Say who. The mayor. <laughs> Yeah, Cindy Lou Who, but she has to be like a little bit older. It's like, yeah, because currently Cindy Lou Who well, is. Well, how old is the special? She's in the she she's probably gotta in be late fifties now. Yeah. Well, it's June four A, and she she died. Well, so. well, well, no, I'm counting like the <laughs> even the Jim Carrey one. Taylor Momsen's old enough. It's the original. You could do it. It would be it's, weird, but you real. could do it. Down and outs. Boris Karloff's dead too. Jim Carrey's not. Jim Carrey's not yeah. so like only his career is. Uh, yeah, true. He he retired after Sonic too, so we'll see if he comes back. For Sonic <laughs> now he's coming back for yeah. something. Nobody ever really retires unless you're um, what was this Gene Hackman? He he just peaced out twenty he did years ago. Sport, like fucking. No, oh, I'm not doing that shit again. I remember I begged my parents to go watch New Sport. What the fuck was wrong with a ten year old me? A lot. I just made a. Uh, I was like, I, I have a list. It That's a all lot. starts with the. Grinch. It, it didn't you say when you had like the like movie that, that actors who who will work on anything you ask them to says no like Sean Connery after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's like fuck it nope yeah <laughs> done what's the thing that made them finally say this was a step too far yeah it's like there's if you if your if your movie is so bad that you make a legend retire. You really need to What's get Malcolm out. McDowell's step too far? There's no... I, there I, I, wa- I watched him in Home Alone 5, like, a couple weeks ago. He's in Home Alone 5? Yeah, so he doesn't know step he too will, far. He pops up in some real low-budget horror films where I'm like, they spent two-thirds of their money just to have him show up on screen for two minutes. Doug Bradley does that, too. He showed up for oh, that yeah. long turn five. Yeah? And he's in, like, ten minutes of the movie. He's in the a jail cell. Mm-hmm. He really is. He he does elevate some of the like crappy crappy movies because like, he gives a performance. He's yeah. like a he's like a Peter Cushing or a mm-hmm. you know Vincent oh, Price. He's like he's if you're getting him, you're getting you're him. getting him. He fully commits, which I respect the hell out of. Anyway, that was a yeah. lovely so, tangent. Yeah, speaking on. of of top ten lists, uh-huh. All right, so we will start with our top. Uh, we start with number ten, and I'm going to go to my right with Cody. Aha. Uh-huh. Table from there. Okay, so number ten. I am deciding this on the fly. I'm looking at my list, and you know what? I think I'm going to start at a movie that was actually probably going to be the last one of the series for a while, uh, and that's Scream Six. Higher. Really? Okay. Yes, indeed. That was on right, a then. earlier draft of my list, and another movie bumped it off. So I'm glad that it's going to get talked about. However, yes. cool. Uh, Oh, so that that means... Oh, so we're tabling. Okay. Um, My number 10 (laughs) is one that... uh, It is not because it's the best movie... Or, but I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I've watched it a couple times since, and that is uh, Hell House Origins. Oh, that's way higher on my list. Well, wow. so, <laughs> so And it was just worth noting that, you know, as any top ten list that we're going to, especially is, for horror-based, we're going to have was, it, yeah, more, this, enjoy, mm-hmm. this is, you know, I enjoy the hell out of this, even if it, the other movies are better, but then again, it's, that's, that's the way subjective lists work. Yeah, I was in absolutely. a chat in the Hell House Facebook group I'm in, mm-hmm. that we were, like, timing it. They're like, okay, when's it available? Because it's, like, midnight... <clears throat> I finally got to load at one twenty-three in the morning, and I, <laughs> oh, I wow. stayed up till three to watch it. 
I watched it on Halloween after I'd gone out with with Gabby and Terrence and a couple friends, and I got home and and turned off all the lights and like had my drink, had my popcorn, and put that on. And oh, anyway, we were table well, yeah, hit. Yeah, sorry. Yay. So we're so Tony. What's oh yours? Oh my gosh! You know what? I think I might actually have a movie that none of you have on your list, and this is because it's a documentary that I saw at SIF. Uh, the Seattle National Film Festival earlier this year, and I kind of loved it. Uh, the movie is called Circus of the Scars. It's the insider odyssey of the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. Uh, for a few years in the 1990s, the Seattle-born uh, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow was like literally everywhere. They were a huge media sensation in the 90s back when that kind of meant something. And basically what they were was this uh, band of misfits that did, that kind of brought back the old tradition of uh, freak show oddities. Uh, it was basically these regular, uh, these regular Joes who were gathered by this incredibly charismatic ex-heroin addict uh, named uh, Jim Rose, who kind of supplanted his fondness for heroin with a fondness for ballyhoo. And he became the impresario and MC of the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. And he found two, four guys that he dubbed the Four Marvels to form the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. This included the amazing Mr. Lifto, who was a pierced, tatted, elegantly androgynous cross-dresser who was able to lift cement blocks with his nipples and clothing irons with his junk. Hey, brother, we've Zamora, all been there. Dude, I tell ya. <laughs> Zamora the Torture King, who was a lovely, cranky human pincushion and fire eater. A guy named Paul Lawrence, who became the Enigma when he tattooed himself all over and did a guest shot on The X-Files. Oh, my God. Uh, including most of the rest <clears throat> of the team. Uh, was he the, and uh, uh, puzzle piece? The Enigma. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was him. Uh, also, uh, Matt the Tube Crowley, uh, who is this dorky, dry-witted Montana transplant, uh, former pharmacist who was infamous for using rubber tubes and lavage pumps to uh, absorb then creatively regurgitate his stomach acids. This may sound like a super fringe thing, but for a while, these guys literally were everywhere. They offended people on two different continents. They became the surprise stars of like the first Lollapalooza. They played the second stage, and they drew the kind of crowds that first stage acts would have killed for. Their fans included uh, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder, both of whom enthusiastically quaffed the bio beer that uh, the tube uh, actually regurgitated on stage. Uh, the thing that's, that's wonderful, would do. yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is very. It's very. These guys were pre jackass. They were way pre jackass. Mm. Uh, and the thing that's wonderful about this movie is it's it, there's just, it's it's basically a semi-dry documentary, but it's also it also feels like, and I guess to a great degree it is ancient history because this is from the this is from the earlier mid '90s, and uh, it's really fascinating to see all this footage. Um, the movie does a very good job of delineating all these guys as characters, and you have this fascinating inbuilt drama because Jim Rose was. Extremely charismatic, handsome, really just just the epitome of 90s hipster cool. And this is the kind of thing that could have only happened in the 90s um, because what they did with kind of circus sideshow freak dumb is kind of what uh, what grunge did with its downtuned guitars and uh, its cathartic wailing. Where it actually basically mutated and just and just like totally created something. It took something very traditional and, and spit it out its, in its own image. 
and watching what these guys were doing uh, is a fascinating exercise and kind of, to me, uh, the tube's bile beer is less a vile concoction of his stomach acid and ketchup and beer and all sorts of gross things and more like tea leaves that are foreseeing or that foresaw fucking jackass and the can of squirming worms that is the internet. You know, so it, you can see the direct through line in this movie. And it's also just a really absorbing story. Uh, it's uh, The director of the movie is Corey Wees, a.k.a. Chicory Wees. Uh, I think it is terrific. Uh, I am not sure if it's even found distribution. Uh, but I think it's an awesome movie to seek out. Uh, I, I'm hoping that it does get distribution because it's fascinating as hell. Again, that is Circus of the Scars, the insider odyssey of the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. And that's my number 10. Anyone else see that? The I didn't see anything. I, if, so I, I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't so. want to put... Just anyway. And, uh, yeah, this year I didn't see a single thing at SIF, but uh, I didn't make it. Uh, Almost half of my list is stuff I saw at SIF, because I really didn't see much outside of that. So anyway, please, Uh, Mr. Foster. My number 10 is Evil Dead Rise. Way higher. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume this is going to pop up on someone else's list. Uh, Like how quick you were just like, (laughs) shut it down. Oh my god, way higher. Boom, let me slapping you. Um, Okay, I totally forgot to put that on my list. I'm not going to change what I have carved in stone here, but, dude. So we can go on. The honorable mentions is where I throw stuff that I... Yeah. Thank you. That's where, yeah. All right. um, I'm going to go with one that I just thought was a lot of fun, even though it probably wasn't the the greatest movie. I loved it, and it was The Pope's Exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) That was so much fucking fun. Russell Crowe is bathing in fucking alcohol. (laughs) He's playing like he's just eating the scenery. I love it so much. It's a stupid, dumb exorcist movie. But the last like 20 minutes go pretty hard, honestly. I, I saw it. I, I feel like, because I think you also got kind of a kick out of it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. I think you're, I think you're probably the only person putting the top 10 yeah. anywhere, ever. <laughs> no, I saw, it, I saw it on another top 10. But I think it was top 10 horror films that somebody yeah. had picked uh, a list. But I, I saw it. And it's funny because I, I watched it for 100 Days of Horror and uh, where I did enjoy the Nick Cage impression he was doing with that accent. Um, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, oh, and he's driving like, around the fucking moped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was but, really Nick Cage and Captain Carl always married up. Man, the way they get that on accent, and they go, oh, but we're interrupting you, Kim. I, I, was, I was not quite <laughs> as charmed by it. And at one point, I was visiting my folks in Medford when I was watching it. And my mom was, I don't know, in the kitchen doing something. And she was just like, what is this? And she <laughs> likes horror films. She's like, what is Russell Crowe doing? <laughs> I was like, a bad Nick Cage impression. She was like, yeah. So, um... <laughs> Norma Douthat wasn't as charmed by it. I, I didn't, I think, I, I don't know why I, I, I was left, I, I wanted to like it more than I did, but I... I will go into spoiler territory. D- do Absolutely. It. Um, That's why we're here. I it's, thought it was it's, so it's, fucking funny when they're like, wow, everything bad that the Catholic Church has done is actually been <laughs> the devil. <laughs> and then at the end, they go into the fucking Pope's bunker and it's like, there are still 99 other demons out there. Like, it's a fucking, like, Avengers movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like, what is happening? It's the second movie this year to, to say, like, the demons are evolved around everything. Because there's also the, the devil conspiracy, which is absolutely terrible. Then I was like, yeah, yeah, the demons are behind everything bad the Catholics ever did. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Shh. I thought it was a really fun uh, way to like barreling through every single exorcism trope you can possibly think of. Oh, full speed ahead. Uh, the, the, the whole exorcist part, like, it's not even really like a thing. Like, the, the possessed kid's like a background thing. Yeah, that may have been part of where I was just like, I don't know. I, I think I wanted it to be either dumber than it was, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say, but one of my most disappointing movies, that was one of my notes, is that, like, I wanted this to either take itself seriously or go f- even further than it did. So, but I don't know, maybe I was cranky when I watched it. <laughs> I love it. And honest to God, I'll, I'll die on the hill that it's a fun watch. And oh, honestly, right? you know you're, what? Top ten's about what I like. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. and you're not alone. I've heard a lot of people who really enjoyed it because of how silly it was. Yeah. yeah. Like, on my full out list, it's somewhere towards the middle because it's that balance of, yeah. like, this is a terrible movie, but it's but, incredibly entertaining movie. Exactly. But it's not entertaining enough for me to shove it to the top. Because there's sometimes it, you watch something it's like, yeah, completely objectively terrible, but it's just so entertainingly terrible. Like, oh yeah, this is my second mm-hmm. favorite movie of the year. Uh, but this that one kind of it balances out to like somewhere in the center of like, okay, I understand this. Well, I don't know if I'll Franco watch it again. Nero is the Pope in that. Yeah. That's what's awesome. Oh you. Jesus I Christ! And I have not seen this movie. <laughs> I, I think I, I posted I, on the group when it was. I'm like, look, it's Franco Nero. It's the Pope. It, is, <laughs> it <laughs> has been, uh, I, you know, I. For me, watching Russell Crowe in full-on character actor, scenery-chewing, zero-fucks mode, and Franco Nero's The Fucking Pope, this movie is on my list, and I need to see it, and I need to bathe in the joy that you have obviously experienced. It's, 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 good it's, it's weird to see Russell Crowe doing this way, because normally you think, usually more of like you think of the serious, gruff, you know, my craft. You know, yeah, or, or he's like, I'm, I'm <laughs> a cop, and I'm while. killing everybody <laughs> who is, I'm trying to arrest. So let me throw a cell phone at someone. No, no, wait. <laughs> hey, look, I'm Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator 2. Are you not entertained? No, I wasn't. That was why. come out in the fall, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, they're yeah. No, it's, it's filming right now. Ready Scott is making Gladiator 2 as we speak. I don't oh. how. It's I, an episode I, all by it's, itself. It's Ridley like, Scott, what happened, buddy? It's, it's, oh, it's Lucius has grown up and there's other stuff going on, but anyway. <laughs> Kim, what is your next? Uh, my number nine is Birth Rebirth, uh, which I watched uh-huh. on Shudder. And uh, it is uh, the story of a, a woman, a doctor named Rose, who works as a pathologist at a hospital. And she is doing uh, experiments. She's she's <laughs> You're not entirely sure initially. You just know it has something to do with dead people. Uh, and a, a maternity nurse who's a single mother and has a five-year-old daughter. And one day, this isn't so much a spoiler because this is the setup to the movie. Um, the five-year-old daughter, uh, dies very suddenly of a a sudden infection. And, um, what goes from there is a real twisted take on Frankenstein, that uh, also loops in a lot of themes of parenthood and motherhood specifically. Um, I was not expecting to... I didn't go into this thinking I was going to like it as much as I did. The acting across the board is absolutely spectacular. It's um, Marin Ireland who plays the doctor, um, Judy Reyes who plays the the nurse. Uh, it's It's... 
was just really fantastically done. It's it's um, the director Laura Moss, also female directed, uh, which is I think part of maybe where a lot of the stuff resonated, at least for me. But um, well, you're going to see a difference in that touch with that subject matter and a woman helming it. I mean, I would I hope think. to. Honestly, I don't need to see the man version of this movie. <laughs> Not if it's sticking with female characters. If a man wants to make his own version of this movie with men, that's fine. But um, mm. it's... is available. You know, I will say, uh, Oppenheimer Ooh, is the first it. movie that I think I've liked his performance. Anyway. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, no, I I just, I really enjoyed it. And there's been a, a, a huge amount this year of, of movies dealing with some similar themes. Um, like with Sarah the, the Bone Woman, uh, Nightmares was another one I watched. And uh, this was the one by far that, for me, was the strongest. I didn't see it. I wanted to. I never heard. It. I did see you, Sarah. I didn't like that. I didn't even know. It was I, did, I did. I did like you, Sarah, good. but I this one. I don't know. This one connected to me more. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, my list is never going to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and where did, did you watch Shutter. it? Shutter. Yeah, it's still on Shutter. Nearly all of horror I watch this year is on Shutter because I watch so much. God bless Shutter. I'm sorry, everything was either theatrically or on Shutter for the most part. There's some of the stuff here and there. <laughs> God bless Shutter. Mm-hmm. Love them. Uh, so, uh, my number nine is They Cloned Tyrone. Uh, now, to be honest, this movie would probably not be on my list if I'd have seen more stuff overall this year, but of what I did see, this is one of the most entertaining movies that I watched. What was interesting about it to me is, and uh, the main flaw, I guess, is that it's a very schizophrenic movie. And in that sense, it reminded me of Renfield, uh, in the sense that. Uh, in this particular movie, it's like, is this a chilling meditation on the nature of identity and a commentary on the government's alarming tendency to use the black population as guinea pigs? Or is it a howlingly funny comedy that sticks pins in America's breathless obsession with conspiracy theories? It is both of those things. And it is neither of those things. And a couple uh, other things along the way, too. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. It is a total polyglot of a movie. And it's really interesting because the the act, actual schizophrenic nature of the movie is like literally represented by the leads in the film. Because on one hand, you have uh, Jamie Foxx as a pimp, Slick Charles, and Tiana Paris as Yo-Yo the sex worker. And they totally hold down the comic movie that is living side by side. Uh, with the more uh, resonant and dramatic portion, which is John Boyega, who is terrific in this very dramatic turn as the movie's ostensible protagonist slash audience avatar. He's never less than absorbing, and I, I just think he's he's one of the, the best and most woefully underused actors working today. Um, and there's there, there are so many great ideas in this movie, and... It's also just, gen- for me, it was just genuinely entertaining and genuinely unsettling uh, and howlingly funny. I laughed harder at this than pretty much, I think, anything that I saw. Um, it is not a consistent movie. It is not a stylistically solid movie. Um, and the parts do not form a unified whole, but my God, what was there... I think was just incredibly entertaining, wildly sharp. I just really, really enjoyed it. So, they cloned Tyrone as my number nine. That was my number eleven. So I'm really mm, glad that you. Wow, it was it was, it was uh, the first thing to bring up for the uh, 
Um, and I'm glad someone else brought it up. It's like, if no one brings this up by the time I get to the top, we won't. my number one honorable mention, because they're, uh, for the same reasons you were, um, it was hysterically funny. I think the the chemistry between the three leads is brilliant. The writing they have for each of their characters and the back and forth, it's like, it's it's so quick. It's it's very, uh, the movie itself is a screwball comedy, but their delivery was in many ways, uh, with especially of how uh, Jamie Foxx presented his character. Oh, good lord, yeah, uh, yes. The way I, I I really love production design of the it's the now but it's also the seventies it's also the eighties that yes. also really mixed that like that same way that it follows follow, did uh, I want to bring up other movies that it reminded me of a modern update for but that would be spoilers it's one of those oh things. god like, yeah totally if I, if I say if I, 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 I this I can, movie in this movie in this movie and I'd I be like, totally, okay that, that, that gives away where things I, I hear you and we're probably um, thinking of the same movies so I will I will keep mum on that but yeah it's streaming on Netflix right now. I think it is really well worth a watch. Yeah, I it's, laughed so hard that my wife told me to turn it off because she was trying to hear whatever she was. Wa- she was watching something on on, on TV and as uh, you know, Bachelor or something. She likes the stuff like Abby mm-hmm. likes that, and uh, yeah. just just you know, trash for fun. And uh, and I had my I was listening to my with my headphones on, and I was laughing so hard. She's like, "Can you wait <laughs> to watch that?" Because it was it would hit so well. Like it was it was brilliant. It really it, it's it, just it's really interesting because everything it does it does really well. It's just it, it's just. It's fascinating to me because it really feels like two different movies running parallel to one another and kind of intertwining at certain points. It's, it's, a, it's a very odd duck of a movie, but I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad someone else did. Yay! Yeah, I'm so glad I got there. And it's not a horror film, but I talk about a lot of horror circles. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I think when like Eric posted on 100 Days of Horror, like, all right, fine, I'll give myself another entry. Well, yeah, I wouldn't I mean, consider this a horror film, but it's close enough. The, the, <laughs> I, I think the tra- Watch the, that line. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think the trajectory of um, Boyega's character is very much a horror movie protagonist. Yeah. And, and Boyega is fantastic. He got misused in, in the Star Wars. Oh, God, yes. And, it's criminal. And then in the Circle, and then a bunch of other, other things that he has been in. And, like, he. I, after Attack the Block, like this guy's gonna be huge. And oh god! He did Star Wars. You think it's gonna be even more bigger? Even more bigger. <laughs> well, uh, but and then it's kind of like this. They squandered him. Fire, they squandered him. Away. And that's this. Uh, it's a testimony to how great he is in this movie that it took me ten or fifteen minutes to realize it was him. Hmm. He so disappears into the role, and, and his his you know accent is like freaking perfect. And it's like, good lord, this guy should be doing like. Many more movies, many bigger movies, many bigger, many, many <laughs> big, I, bigger, bigger infectious, movies. Infectious. But anyway, yes. Uh, so the Clontyro, <laughs> I think it's teacher. terrific, uh, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. So I take it, Tony and You know, it's it. funny. I almost watched this last night. We were putting away the Christmas decorations. And I decided, uh, and then I saw there was a documentary on the insane clown posse, and I'm like, <laughs> I gotta see this. I had to Dude. Wait. It was a good time. It was a good time. But that's for a different story. Uh, my number nine is uh, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, or Dad Hat, if you want to. Circle it so you don't say. So Dad Hat. <laughs> Anyone else watch Dad Hat? I, I no. watched Dad Hat a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, but I yeah I, I it's one of those movies that it came out this this and my number eight were both movies that I didn't expect to enjoy as much as I did, but was totally godsmacked by how well they came out. Uh, where it could have been just something dumb and, you know, Miss, Miss Duncan's Dungeon Dragons was done very poorly by Rob, I think Rob Cohen directed the, the first the early one. early 2000s, the, wasn't 1000. it? There were yeah. like three sequels after that, where the only part that worked was, was Jeremy Irons, because he knew what he was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of going full series, because if you've played D&D, you know that it's not Lord of the Rings, it's not full serious, you know, everyone taking everything, as it's, it's a bunch of goofy guys 
uh, goofy guys and gals, I'm just using guys as a general term here, uh, you'll goof uh, in, in someone's basement just making stuff, you know, making stuff up, but you know what I mean? But there's, there's a lot of fun being had, there's a lot of silliness being done, and Dean being like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> as everyone like, just kind of like, I planned this thing, and you're going off and running away and doing this other thing instead, and that's I think that's what I think really works in the film, is that it really gets the spirit of D&D without being too winky about it, there's no no meta context, like, it's, it's maybe spoilers, but uh, it's no like thing like Lego, Lego movie where at the end you find out, it's just, it's, it's, you know, someone playing, it's all still in universe but it feels like a game you can see where this person is you can see where like the person like the paladin comes in is like the, per- the the legacy player who hasn't played for a while comes with this like level 99 character coming in kicks ass and leaves or he's also <laughs> you can see him as like the dm character who's like a fine and you get you guys back on track until someone else does something else stupid and uh but it but it's not a dumb movie by that way but i think it's just a very fun movie that gets the spirit of dungeons and dragons so well done uh, with great chemistry amongst everyone, a great use of talking about like talking about um, Jason Clark, you know, you liked him in, in one movie. This is the first thing I find like like uh, Michelle Rodriguez in. Mm. Uh, She's great in it. Hate yeah. her in anything. I thought she, you know, she really she did a really good job. She had, yeah, she had a lot of heart in this, which is great. Mm-hmm. And her chemistry with Chris Pine is great, and it's yeah. really fantastic to have like a platonic couple, mm-hmm. which you never see in movies before. Uh, you hardly ever see, you know, this the the meet the lead male and the lead female. Not hooking up. No, and, nor and, nor do they nor, want to. Yeah, and I really love that aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Grant is the charming. Is the charming film is perfect, mm-hmm. and I think everything is landed. Everyone's playing at this just the right level. They're all playing at full cylinder. Uh, you know, uh, running just going full speed into this quest, and I think it just that's it really landed in that way. Way more than the other movies did. <laughs> I because I I just watched it a couple days ago. I thought the cast was charming. I thought um, that was for me the best thing about it. I do not play Dungeons and Dragons, and I think that may have impacted my enjoyment of it because I was I thought it was fine, and I felt like if I played Dungeons and Dragons, I would probably find this whole thing charming. But it it didn't land for me only because I I got tired of the journeys. That's fair. Because I was like I don't just like can we get to the plot? I don't care about the side quest. Let's well, get back to the plot. Is, I'll do it. Is a series of side quests. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's that's where I was like I feel like I am not the target audience for this, <coughs> but. The cast as a whole is fantastic. It is really well cast, and and um, the relationships were really nice. That I, I probably enjoyed that more than anything. Uh, and I didn't dislike it. I just was kind of oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah, I've but, played the game in twenty years, but I do keep up with things. Right. And a lot of my circles play. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and like, I have a lot of friends who play, but it's never been my cup of tea. So I can appreciate what they were doing. I don't think I was their audience. That's absolutely fair. But I'm glad I watched it. But it's better than the 2000 version. <laughs> there you go. We on to Cody. We are. Mr. Mosco. Eight. What I decided uh, about five minutes ago was, uh, <laughs> is Talk to Me. Fair. Mm. Mm. I probably would have ranked this higher if it wasn't so apocalyptically bleak. Ha! This was, that it is. It is not a feel-good movie. No. It's, but a lot of the, a lot of the, like, I don't want to say artsier, but, like, there's been a lot of really bleak horror this year. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, this one was really good. I love the, the plot actually feels pretty fresh. Like, I've never really seen something like that, at least, you know, recently, that's kind of, you know, hit on those without, um, um, it, it, it does, it does its best to kind of, um, not be formulaic, um, 
I thought that the hand thing was interesting, and mm-hmm. I thought that it was... I thought it was nice that they didn't do too much with it. Mm, that it mm-hmm. wasn't, like, there all the time. It was just, like, a device. They're not to trying to a, solve the mystery of... Of the hand, yeah. or, you yeah. know... Yes, very yeah. briefly bought yeah. and then dismissed. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we can't follow like, it. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. Oh, yes. I was... Please, continue. Because that's something we all saw together. So there's one that yes. we yes, yeah, yes. We've all we've all seen we've it. All seen it. <laughs> um, I thought that it was really well shot. I thought that the yeah, cinematography agreed. was great. I thought agreed. that they had some good scares. I thought it didn't over rely on the um, possession angle too. Mm-hmm. Very I, true. I thought it really played well and it played to its strengths and it played to the unreliable narrator well. And I thought mm-hmm. it, it really just like leads you into thinking it's gonna go somewhere mm-hmm. and then it doesn't. And I thought that the end was just so damn, just <laughs> goddamn, like because you know it once once a certain thing happens, you know it's oh yeah where yeah, yeah. It was, I called the ending within. I, I think all of us did. Yeah. Um. And the thing that I the thing I I this is actually on my list of honorable mentions. Okay. Uh. I the thing that I found most fresh about it is I just I enjoyed seeing the the perspective of a couple of young Australian directors setting this, you know, giving this a very distinctively Australian flavor. I felt like, for me, I thought the story was very Tales from the Crypt slash Twilight Zone, but I thought that, um, you know, horror is like punk rock. You're, you're using the same, like, few chords, but it's all about who's <laughs> delivering it and the energy that they're bringing to it. And I, the Philip uh, Philippu brothers, yeah, I think, the brothers. yeah, who directed it, um, they are definitely, I think, a team to watch because I think there's so much. There are so many aspects of this movie that are so. Fr- I didn't think I, I didn't find it maybe quite as fresh as you did, but I did find their voice and their delivery of this familiar story to be super fresh. And I, I love the fact that uh, it felt to me like the character beats felt right and felt like when. The characters did dumb things. It, they did dumb things because teenagers. They're dumb teenagers. Uh, yeah. And also, again. teenagers who are drunk. Thank yeah. you. And, and even if you see the end coming, and you probably will, hmm. um, it still has a huge amount of impact because it is a, an uncompromising ending and you've become very intertwined in the unreliable narrator and, and the characters in general. Uh, yeah, I just I, I was really pleased with it. It didn't I it, it didn't do anything new in my mind, but it did a lot. Just really, really. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel. It's like it didn't necessarily reinvent the wheel, but it certainly assembled it in a really weird way. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think when we got out of it, the fact the first thing I said was that it reminded me of a Bloomhouse movie was made by A twenty four. Yeah. Because uh, so you have something that maybe has a plot that we've seen before or done many times, but in a different way with more serious aspect to it mm-hmm. and it go yes. into, into and done the, really really well yeah the, exactly the way the the, the goat that the possession ghost whatever it is mm-hmm. worked worked where really cleverly didn't break any of its own rules I yeah. thought was oh fantastic. absolutely and yeah. I think the whole thing ultimately is like a metaphor for addiction and mm-hmm. I think that oh, makes totally. a lot to it but without being hitting you over the head with this yeah. like when you think about it a little later I'm like oh yeah when you're watching it was kind of hitting on it and I was thinking about it later I'm like yeah this aspect and this thing they say and this thing that happens <clears throat> you see this deeper in the, that deeper level that they don't directly come out scream at you and say you know yeah. uh, and same way that like it follows you know people immediately jump to like you know, STDs for that, but it's really more sure. about growing up in that mm-hmm. case. Uh, yeah. But when you think about it more, it's like, oh, you see this other level underneath it done in a very yeah. direct way. Uh, but yeah, I, that was, I thought it was a really solid way. I, I really appreciate the not 
not getting you know Vincent D'Onofrio to explain what it is yeah, by yes. a Zoom call halfway through <laughs> uh, for a while. Well, and that's I think one of the one of the things that makes the movie so effective is that it feels very much like you are learning and you are discovering along with the characters. Uh, the Philippines do a really good job of laying out just enough kind of clues as you go to where you're very much wandering through the dark along with the protagonist. So yeah, I again, good choice. It's really awesome that it, it hit, um, like it hit the public consciousness too. Yeah, like, people, like general audiences went to see it. Yeah, yeah, it it crossed uh, it crossed out of just being a genre. I yeah. will say, I wish going in, I hadn't heard from so many people that it's like the scariest thing we've ever seen. Oh yeah, that always builds it up. As that. Uh, I I I I enjoyed. It. I thought it was really well done. I thought the performances were great. Um, and I think I, I was very similar to how Bob felt and that it, it's, it's for me, a really formulaic movie that was done really, really well. Um, but it, I, I wanted it to do something a little bit different than what it ended up doing. I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. But part of that was because of hype. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a, and it's astonishing how much that can alter your perception of yeah. the movie. I'm mm-hmm. very glad that I was very la, 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 la as far as like advanced word about the movie yeah. because I was very pleasantly surprised with it. Again, I liked it almost as much as you. It I ended up my number 16 on my list. So it was very okay, yeah. high. And I look forward to watching it again eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, oh... I know my number eight's higher up somebody's list. Godzilla minus one. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I figured so. I, I didn't see that one. I wanted to. Well, get out. That's it. You're gone, buddy. I started, I saw Godzilla versus Kong. That was good. That's that was a while ago, ago, buddy. You're two years late. <laughs> I'm three years late. And it's, that, it, that came it's a handful of Cheetos compared to the full smorgasbord glorious nine-course meal. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. But we're not going to Yeah, we're not talking about it yet. My number eight which I know is on someone else's list, um, is Scream 6. Uh, any sequel, especially the fifth in a series that stretches over you know, two decades, no less, that manages the hat trick of capturing the spirit of the original while still feeling like its own wonderful and very contemporary... Fifth sequel, I think. Yeah, I guess. Fifth oh, okay. sequel. <laughs> the way you said it, I was like, that's... that's Wait a second. <coughs> uh, it, it gets big ups for me. So I... I just enjoyed it from top to bottom. Uh, I thought it, it it felt like it really felt like a scream for a new generation. It felt like uh, Radio Silence, the guys who directed um, Scream Five. I thought that that was a, a solid, earnest attempt at kind of you know reinvigorating the franchise, but it didn't quite light me up the way that Scream Six did. And I think the main reason for me was with Scream Six, I felt like it was. A, a like home run solid return to the 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 playfulness the humor and the wonderful roller coaster quality that the that the uh, the first three especially had and I think also it had the benefit of already establishing most of the main characters that were established in the fifth one and it, it just it felt like it did every everything that I was hoping the fifth one would do this one did. And I just, it was stylish. It was very funny. 
Um, and I also, I'm a total sap for, uh, I think one of the less acknowledged influences on the whole Scream franchise is the Italian giallo thriller. Yes. And this movie just completely embraces that and gives it a big old smack on the lips. And I love Setting that. it in New York definitely really, mm. really, really, really helps. Thank well, you. New York for two days and in, uh, in, uh, in, the, in the Amazon for the rest of it. Or the the soundstage as yeah. a for the yeah. remainder of it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just really... be city. Yeah. yeah, I just I really really enjoyed it. I, I I and again I think part of this was the inverse of expectations. I I went into it thinking, okay, cool. I I liked the fifth one. Okay, you know, hopefully this one will be good. And I just I I was just very floored with how stylish it was, how howlingly funny it was. I mean, I I laughed harder at this one I think than probably uh, any aside from the first two, and I I just was really. Really, really, really happy with it. I think it's definitely my second favorite after the, after the. First. I would agree. Yeah, and yeah. I, I would think actually it, agree. It moves at such a breakneck speed that mm-hmm. I thought that at one point that the whole thing was gonna be a one night. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought at the beginning, like the first like that half energy was place, of it really. Yeah, it's like, oh, is this mm-hmm. gonna be interesting? Kind of just running through the film. Obviously, doesn't do that, but the twists and the turns were really. I think the finale was. Fantastic. And the villain reveal, maybe not so much, but the actual way it came around and what happened to everybody, I think, was... I agree. Mm-hmm. And the I thing is... A little, a little more... People throw this word out because it doesn't really work for the Scream series much, but brutal as much as like maybe a general audience movie can be in yeah. a couple of different ways. And, and it is. There's, meaner, there's a meaner yeah, there's sense some, to it. There's yeah. some... There are... There's definitely a vicious streak to it, but it's also... I think the, I think the thing that Radio Silence does really well is they leaven that with, with a sense of playfulness and fun that really wasn't present in the fifth one. And that I think that I think is a thing that pushed it over the top for me. I also when it comes to the denouement at the end, the reveal again, one of the hallmarks of giallo cinema is the batshit nutty reveal at the end. And this was a nice batshit nutty reveal oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. felt totally in keeping with the spirit of the Italian Gio. In my review for part five, I mentioned that, that that's like, a scream is very much Gio because you have, you have black mask killer, black, black love. Oh, totally. Sex, it's, it's based on someone's sexual history and what they saw Thank when you. they were younger and reacting to it, you know, ten years later. Yeah. And, you know, if, and all of that that comes yeah, in. It doesn't make sense. And, <laughs> I, and, I just, I, it up. and it's really interesting. I mean, I was... One of the things that I've always loved about the Scream series is the continuity of the characters. And I think it's an interesting inverse of most slashers in that you had this kind of gallery of very engaging characters that you follow consistently through these movies. But the killer's different in each one, you know? And and I, I love that. And that's no spoiler if you've seen any of them at all. Um, but it's reversal of so many horror things. Yeah, like exactly. And all these, you have exactly. Mm-hmm. So and that's coming back. Yeah, different ghost faces. The ghost face still feels like a yeah. continuing character mm-hmm. and all, in its own way. When you put them in that mask, they still pick up this manners and still pick up this. And yes. the conversation, like, I loved the conversation in part five that, that Sydney had on the phone with the ghost face, where it is that it's this idea of... of um, like they they say he's back or they're back, you know. Like it is because the idea of it is its own thing. Um, no, I loved part six. I mean, Cody it was on your top ten as well. Yeah, I. Um, no, go ahead. But yeah, go okay. for it. I, I can chime in if I feel like I need to. <laughs> I really really liked this one. I thought it really kind of fulfilled on the promise of the fifth one. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I and I think <clears throat> getting it out of um, getting it to a new setting really mm-hmm. helped and i think establishing the characters in the last movie not relying on too many from the old 
from the older cast. Yeah, really yeah Courtney Cox mm-hmm. could have been almost cut. And then yeah, yeah. Been but I thought her role was actually pretty. Yeah, good in it. yeah. She was, yeah. She I like how they incorporated her in. Yeah. yeah, and I and it was one of the. It's interesting because I've I love Nev Campbell uh, in the screen movies. I just found Sydney Prescott to be one of the most affecting final girls that I've seen in a slasher, and just following her journey through all these movies has been incredibly engaging. So I was a little skeptical when it was announced that she was not going to be doing this one, but they the, the new cast really acquits themselves well, and it's like I I'm oh, I'm more than okay with following these people through another another and, and couple of And I think it really works that you know, maybe it's okay that Sydney had her end yeah. Maybe it's okay. Yeah. She, she wasn't, she wasn't I necessary. Know. Yeah. Yeah, well, and not just that, but isn't it kind of nice that like the final girl in a in a horror franchise actually just gets to like go off and have a nice life? Yeah, you know what the heck? That's that's you know the fact that she um, you know kind of basically you know bowed out of the series actually gave them an opportunity to create an element of closure, satisfying and happy closure for one of these characters. And they did a good job leaving it in a good place because it seems like Scream 7 is not happening. Apart, so. Yeah, just that's a whole other... Yeah, we're not going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's another thing that I appreciate. They didn't end it with like a... It, it felt like an ending mm-hmm. that they could come back to when... You could you could re... You could redo it. Redo it. You could return to it, but, but it was you, satisfying. Yeah, if you leave it where it is, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's really... It, it gives all of the characters kind of their... Natural end, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yes. maybe they don't need a scream seven. Yeah, so absolutely. you know, at least they didn't leave it. If they'd have left it on part five, it'd have been like, oh, I think I part agree. five feels like you're setting up for next. Yeah, time. now, now mm-hmm. we got that, and we kind of close it up and give it, <laughs> give it a few years, and we can have a scream seven. We can have different characters, different people. I was by, by then with... Sydney's kids will yeah. be. Yeah, okay. there <laughs> I, I mean, I was looking forward to see what Christopher Landon would do do yeah, for it. So I really liked Happy Death Day, Love Freaky, Happy Death Day. and. Mm-hmm. You know, of turning yep. these things on their side and seeing what he would do with it, because Radio Silence did that with Ready or Not. Uh, yeah, but yeah. who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. So, but, yes, Scream 6, my number 8. Bob. Uh, my number 8 is uh, also one something that I expected to come in thinking, nee, but turned out really awesome, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Oh. Yeah, um, as, a, as a person who was born in 1982, I grew up on the Ninja Turtles because, yeah, they exploded into pop culture when I was, like, Six, um, big fans of the original movies, even though now they definitely don't hold up as well. Um, oh come on, and, go Ninja, go Ninja, go! <laughs> <coughs> I remember seeing that in theaters, begging my mom. Vanilla to see it Ice, for ageless, <laughs> ageless. Oh. What about uh, the Michael Bay ones? The I, I'm reverse. I like the second one, and I didn't like the first one. The um or reverse that. Sorry, I didn't like right, whatever. I liked one and didn't like the other. I can't remember which one it was. Um. And they're they're iffy. I, I think they get more shit than they deserve. But this one, I think, is a is def, it's in a way it's very much made for people who grew up on turtles, but also still being for kids today. Um, but so I think it really straddles exennial and and whatever generations currently going on uh, with Seth, you know Seth Rogen for, wrote and produced it. Also has some parts in there along with. But everyone involved with it is like you know has been a fan their entire life, but not in a way that's like. It makes it esoteric, um, but it's it's just it moves at like it's such a breakneck pace. The uh, the animation style was definitely reflected on Spider Man and uh, from the Spider Man uh, into the Spider Verse style. So it's very very heavily designed, but also in a way that matches. Brings in so much stuff from all over that franchise. So we're not getting Shredder again. Shredder's not a character in it, which is great. It's very fresh. 
to have a different set of people. What about Bebop and Rockstar? Yeah, they are on there. Oh, hell yeah. So it's a lot of the mutant characters, and they're really well done, really well used. Uh, There's a lot of love that's obvious obvious through it, a lot of really great jokes. And this time they actually got the, uh, all the Ninja Turtles are actual teenagers, And they recorded all all these teenagers in a room together, and the characters are strong, and the the way but the way they, they bounce back and forth feels like kids. Uh, you know, Kim and I are both teachers, so we spend a lot of time <laughs> with teenagers. And I felt like I was listening to teenagers talk, who happened to be you know mutant ninja turtles, turtles who, who beat up <laughs> other other mutants. Uh, but it's it's I was really godsacked by how much I absolutely loved this. When I saw that, and then when I went to see, I saw talk to me with you guys. So it was like a complete, <laughs> complete uh, shift in film on on a, in a, you know, August fourth, whenever the heck I saw it. But with well wrought uh, characters. <laughs> With well well wrought teenage characters, yes, that's the uh, length of those two. Ideas. And there, yeah, there's there's a there's a really great you know, verisimilitude for you know for turtles in this case, but like <laughs> for the teenager part of it, uh, you can see these kids have been the entire life in the sewers, and now we're starting to try and branch out, so you get that expectation, and then starting to meet up with other people and find out maybe the kids I'm meeting with are aren't, aren't the best, uh, and then finding who they are within this this whole, whole cycle, breaking out from Splinter and also trying to find on their own. And Splinter totally stabs a guy in the face at yeah, some point. Nice. Uh, but no, it's 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 an absolute blast. It's funny from end to end. The animation style is really well is really well done. The voice cast they got together, you know, these kids. But you also got um, uh, you you got a lot of comedic voice actors for the other mutants like Paul Rudd and you know uh, Bill Hader and. You know, it's, it's just fun. If you're a fan of the Turtles at any point in your life, you'll probably have something enjoyable to find out of it. I'm going to give it a go now, because I... Cool. The, the Ninja Turtles have always been kind of a thing where I've... I remember... Like, they've never been, like, a thing, but there's been something I've always, I've always liked, but I've never been, like, into. Mm-hmm. I'll watch them if they're on TV. I saw both of the Michael Bay ones. I, I liked the first one. I didn't care for the second one. But that sounds kind of fun. Uh, and also, I have seen 10-inch Mutant Ninja Turtles, the porn parody, so... Of course you have. It all, it all come, it all winds back it's, around. I, I, porn. Was, I think it was. Uh, I think the subtitle is "Secret of the Splooge." So. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you can't leave. This is your house. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna live here now, and then we're gonna play with your spooky doll and get possessed. The ghost. I mean, oh, yeah. she's trying to burn down the place. She's still trying to do it again. If you leave. That's true, she might. <laughs> All right, so we're at number seven now, and that would be you, Cody. Now, this is one where I hate, I hate to give it to the director, because I hate the director. <laughs> I will give I will give this to him. Thanksgiving was really oh. good. Ah! Wow. I really fucking hate Eli Roth, although he is starting to grow on me as he gets older. Well, so do words. Yeah. But they're inevitable, so. True. <laughs> It, I really liked it. It really felt like a throwback slasher, yeah. and it didn't feel like it didn't feel cynical. Yes. A lot of times when they do shit like this, it's like, "Hey, remember this? Yeah. Remember how much you liked April Fool's Day and Silent Night, Deadly Night? You know, it's not a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, there's some. Th- it's it's a, it's a Thanksgiving slasher. It's not reliant yeah. on knowing the the previous trailer. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's fun too. It's just a fun. It's straightforward. Just yeah. you know what you're getting. It's a mm-hmm. Thanksgiving slasher. It film. knows what it is, and it doesn't try to doesn't try to be like no. highbrow. It doesn't try to. It, and it gives, you know, kind of an older actor mm-hmm. a great, you know, Patrick Dempsey. Oh, Patrick Dempsey's great in it. Incredible mm-hmm. performance in it. I mm-hmm. loved his performance in it. And even uh, the guy who was on Suits, the bald guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He the did... adult cast is 
great. And even most of the teenagers are pretty good. Yes, the actor, the actors themselves. But the adult cast, there was a lot of your of like, oh, it's that guy, yeah. or oh, it's that person, and so they were very recognizable, uh, and they were all great. I've never seen the dad, the, the bald dad, as anything but a villain. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, he's got to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was just it. It's a nice little. Uh, riff on consumerism mm-hmm. and that yeah that first 20 minutes is just oh like yeah pitch black oh mm-hmm. I've I've been there you mm-hmm. know t- except you know nobody died thankfully <laughs> that you <laughs> know of that I know of <laughs> uh, but you know there are some clever Thanksgiving related kills you know mm-hmm. there's some corn cob action there's some that <laughs> maybe yep <laughs> you know there's some oven going on it's mm-hmm. really just even the ending has that classic kind of like My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. yeah actually, it was funny when I was watching it, I'm like, this is a really solid My Bloody Valentine remake. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, didn't follow through on that. For most of it really landed into that style. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Although I knew the twist was coming. What? Well, yeah. Other like, than, I did you do the thing that, I'm, I'm not going to spoil the killer since it's a new enough movie. Yeah. But there was a scene... Um, where I was tracking a couple characters' movements. It doesn't add up. It doesn't add yeah. up! Uh, so I, I, I'm, was... I'm convinced they refilmed a lot of the, or re-edited the, the last third at one point. Well, I don't know if it's for setting up a sequel, or they just wanted to simplify it, but it, it there literally has to be more than what we saw, without going... Without, no, because I, I thought I thought the only way that would work is if, yeah, is, yeah. is if, we're again, we're trying to not spoil, <laughs> so sorry that we're kind of like talking around it. Uh, but those little kinds of things I get so hung yeah, up on. Me too. And yes. They're making a sequel already, so yeah. I yeah. think But, the, maybe but at the time up. it hadn't been green lit because yeah. yes. But yeah. But for a movie that's made for like five million dollars, definitely gonna make twenty in opening weekend. They're gonna have yeah. yeah. Oh, they, absolutely, uh, yeah. I I appreciate that it didn't like didn't lean too heavy on to the grindhouse style because I don't think that would work for more outside of horror fans. Yeah. Moving it to a post-scream style slasher mm-hmm. rather than a 1978 grindhouse film, I think actually was in its benefit. Like at first, I was kind of like, what the heck, man? Why, why are you changing it? That worked then, but I realized that's playing to me, you know? Uh, playing to getting the actual regular folks that come out and see it. I think that, that made it work in that way, making it a mystery post-scream mystery slasher and not leaning into like the over-stylized scratchy th- you know um, you know uh, scratchy audio scratchy visual mm-hmm. that would have grown tiring yes. and a lot of people would be like Get oh yeah quick. what would be like would the word of mouth would have been crap yeah. mm-hmm. by taking it seriously yeah. as best as seriously as Eli Roth can do it you know the, um, no, I, I, Eli Roth I'm really mixed on he's definitely has that dude bro energy uh, he's it's one of the things where like he definitely knows horror yes but he's such a jerk about it. Well, and yeah. I, well, I will always say, I did cock block him at a Crypticon, not Crypticon, at a Weekend of Horrors 2004. And I love that so much. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. That's like one of my favorite things that, like, yes. I, oh, so I went and talked to him when he was talking at the table and he's talking to my friend Emmys, uh, who actually might listen to this, I don't know, uh, friend who was there and he was totally hitting on her and I was kind of in the circle talking to him. He's like, what the hell? Yeah, I was like, dude, if you hang out in the lobby and drinking with us, you're, you're going to I'm gonna trying be... to get later here, dude. But I, I did, uh, when it comes to Roth, I, I do recommend uh, House of the Clock and Swalls. That's, that's solid stuff. That's really in the Amblin style, so it's really interesting to see him work in that era like he worked like Spielberg picked him for that movie that's you know eight years ago or five years ago so at that point 
I, you know, Eli Roth is interesting because, yes, he is a completely insufferable frat boy prick, but I do think he's not without technical skill. Oh, yeah. That's, um, the, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, and so it's I think nice. that's what makes me dislike him more. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I can understand that totally. But, yeah, so I was actually very intrigued to see this because I, the word of mouth was really good mm-hmm. and, it, and it sounded like something that uh, he was actually, uh, that was actually being executed without, you know, a big wink and a nod and that is a refreshing approach to a modern horror film. He's uh, but one. My final note on uh, Eli Roth is uh, Kim might appreciate this. He runs you the Zach Baggins of the horror community. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's exactly it's, what it's he is. It's the same is. energy yeah. as Zach Baggins. But I, I again, I, I've liked their own goddamn movie like that. <laughs> Eli Roth, fucking cat. Well, he he didn't direct the Cabin of the Witch, uh, which is still terrible. I like. He still one, like pushed yeah. it along. That's the thing. I've liked some of his movies, and yeah. I think that almost That's... makes me angrier at times but I, I've seen a couple interviews with him more recently where I'm like okay you're not the worst yeah. maybe he's I, getting I, better probably mellowing as he's yeah you get older you become less infantile hopefully well, so. that's the dream but to your point again like he knows his shit yeah. like, you cannot deny he he's knows like his shit he's like an encyclopedia if you've ever heard him mm-hmm. talk or he, I think well, he and his history too. of horror series is actually quite yeah. interesting really good yeah. mm-hmm. No, I, I enjoy it. And that it. pisses me off even more that he's so knowledgeable about it. It's like, man, fuck you. Just let me, just let you be shitty, please. Aww. But yeah, Thanksgiving, I can't wait for the fucking sequel. Yeah, no, it was a, the movie was a fun, fun time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed so, it more than I thought I would. So what is your number seven, Kim? Uh, I or, suspect my number seven is higher up someone's list. Uh, Barbie. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Cool. Man, was that my last, like, so far... Three of my four movies <laughs> have been higher up other people's lists. It's cool. Tony? You might want to vamp because I have a mouthful of pizza. But okay, oh well, well. You're asking me to vamp. That's, you know, asking Kim to talk for a while is a really dangerous thing. <coughs> Do you want me to go now and revert come back to you? No. Okay. I shall talk with a piece of pizza tucked in my cheek like a chipmunk. Um, my number seven is yet another movie that I don't think any of the rest of you have seen, but I would highly, highly recommend. It is a documentary called Douglas Sirk, Hope as in Despair. And this is a documentary about, of course, Douglas Sirk, uh, who was a classic Hollywood director who lived the kind of life that could have been its own feature film. Um, He was a German. Uh, His first wife joined the Nazi party and was able to legally bar him from seeing their son, who became a child star during the Nazi regime and then died as a soldier for the Nazis in 1944. Uh, He emigrated to America because his second wife was Jewish and he decided to have the unmitigated gall in a uh, Nazi-run country to actually stand by her. And so he emigrated to America in 1937 and then he became famous He was directing since the late 30s, but he became most famous in the 50s for these Technicolor melodramas that he did, which actually couched some very touchy subjects, things like racism, infidelity, and political oppression, in very colorful soap opera melodrama attire. Um, These are movies like Imitation of Life, uh, All That Heaven Allows, uh, these movies might not be super familiar to everybody, but uh, Douglas Sirk has been name-dropped by everyone from John Waters. He cite, he, Waters cites polyester as being a total influence. Oh, absolutely. Um, Todd Haynes. I mean, most of Todd Haynes' fucking movies yes, owe something so. <laughs> to the heightened melodrama of Douglas Sirk's movies. Uh, 
I mean, Jesus, even Quentin Tarantino, when he did Pulp Fiction, what, said he was trying to reach that kind of melodramatic fever pitch. We talked about him last year with, uh, with uh, Pearl when we were talking about Yeah, him. exactly. And, and I was going to bring up yeah. Ty West. <laughs> he directly said Douglas Sirk was a huge inspiration for Pearl, which was on my top ten list last year, which unfortunately is lost in the ether. Yeah. Um, but Bob vetoed it. To, nope, there we go. Vito! <laughs> um, but the thing that's interesting about this movie is it, it is, on the, on the face of it, a typical documentary with your talking heads, your archival footage, but it's also a personal journey because the director, uh, I think his name is Roman Huben, uh, also adds kind of a personal touch because he, he explores why he personally finds himself so moved and captive, captivated by these movies. And it's really interesting because one of the things he does is he takes incidents in Cirque's life, and he directly parallels them with scenes and entire um, plots of Douglas Cirque movies. And so, and this is something that may be remedial to somebody who's super into Douglas Cirque, but for me, it was really a revelation to literally see a clip about um, Nazi oppression from one of his early movies, and then you know, after having heard stories about some of the uh, some of the misadventures and uh, travails that he went through, uh, being a, a spouse of a Jewish person <coughs> at that time, uh, so it's just, I mean, th those types of point by point comparisons, and also just kind of diving a little bit into why Cirque made the movies that he did and what kind of motivated him to make these movies. It's like total movie geek catnip. And if you're into any of the filmmakers that I mentioned or any of the movies by the filmmakers that I mentioned, um, it's really good. I, it's streaming. I want to say it is streaming on demand right now. Um, but I, I, it's just, it's a really, really engaging documentary about a very interesting guy. Uh, again, that's Douglas Cirque, Hope, as in despair, and that's number seven on my list. All right. Uh, so coming to my number seven, I have uh, Asteroid City from Wes Anderson. I knew that was coming. That's higher on my list. Okay, so. Sorry, what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait, what's Kim going to say? But, uh, but we'll see what Kim says later. Because Tony's, uh, Tony's uh, putting the pen in one. Number six decided just like a minute ago. <laughs> um, I like this. I like this twerp for you. I've just picked this. I really liked this one, and it was. It's, it's where Cody's has seen none of these movies. He's I, just picking stuff. I'm just picking shit. <laughs> He's making titles up at this point. <coughs> Brooklyn Forty Five. Oh nice. yes. I really like this one. I'm a mm -hmm. sucker for like a one or two location thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, it feels like a stage play. It really does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was on my honorable mentions, yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I really like this movie. Mm -hmm. I, it's another thing where it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but no. damn it if it doesn't assemble it in a completely like interesting a way. Great cast. Oh, incredible cast. Very like, fascinating. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah. yeah and boom. Well, the theatricality of it really appealed to me. Um, I love particularly horror films where I'm like, I could recreate this on stage and it would and it would work, and it would be really effective. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, it all of the beats are there, the performances are there, the script is interesting, even though, to your point, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's so good, and you're still, it's there's still that suspense, there's still that 
Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, like, where where is this actually going? Mm-hmm. Like, how much supernatural is this? How much is coming between the characters? Mm-hmm. What's the next turn? Is there going to be any more And who's turns? telling the truth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the truth shifts continually, but not in a way, like, that it feels like it's cheating us. No. Yeah. Very um, organically, yeah. And it, it, and it really it does a good job where you can still kind of read your own conclusions into it. Mm-hmm. Which is super, I really liked how it just kind of breaks everybody in that movie. Yeah. And it's, it's like nobody comes out unscarred from that, yeah. either physical or mental. And it's definitely coming Which, to the theatricality of things of reveals and mm-hmm. people changing everyone. That, but I don't know. Well, I was going to say, and, and with the movie that's taking place, you know, just post-World War Two, yeah. it's apt that you have this, uh, a group of people who are already left gravely impacted by the war and now still continue to be an... Yeah. I really appreciate that they're all older people too. Yeah. That, yeah. It, that they weren't all like young bucks who went to the war. They These are people who have not only known each other for like 30 years, but also have been through a lot of stuff together that I think it really shines through with their characters and their writing. And because so many times you see these with like, uh, this person comes back from war and they're younger and you see what the fact, but here we have, you know, they had World, maybe World War One, but definitely World War Two. Uh, but also like all the dark stuff that's come with them mm-hmm. over the decades. Um, and that, that really builds for the characters and for their people, you know, their personality, I guess. Yeah. Anne Ramsey. Yeah. Oh, she's oh amazing. God. God. She is, one, she is such an underappreciated actor. Yes. I, I don't think I've ever seen her give a bad performance and she has, was it, uh, uh, with the mom who has dementia, but also, uh, Deborah Moore. Deborah Logan. Yeah, because she's the daughter in that, isn't she? Or am I making that up? I don't know. I might be making that up. I thought she was. It's been it's been a while since I've seen Deborah Logan. Yeah, it's been like ten years. So, um, but yeah, she is is such a fantastic act. Now I have to look it up because it's going to bother me. Um, she is such a fantastic actress, and she gives a really phenomenal performance in this. Uh, yeah, she she was Sarah Logan. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think this was this was a surprise yeah. for me of of uh, what could be accomplished within the limitations of what they they set themselves with. You, you reminded me a lot of the outfit, which was my number one last mm-hmm. year, and mm-hmm. and that was why I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I'm I was here for it from the beginning. Yeah. Although the tr- the poster they chose made it look really kind of silly. I thought it was going to be a comedy. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, it looked like it was the hand coming over. Yeah, it all looked, it looked very cheerful. And so when I started watching and it starts to go in the, because the, I I don't, it's new enough. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But there's that. you get to that one, like. That fantastic monologue. Yeah. That, that gets given when they're going into the seance. And I was like. Is this a comedy? This is. This is not a comedy. This is, this is, this is heavy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that one again. Yeah, this is on my own mentions. It was like over 15 of the year, so I'm glad that, that yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad that you're, that it's getting brought up to talk about, because, yeah. Uh, my number six might be higher up on Tony's. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I know you I, have. Past Lives. I have not uh, seen it. Just a little bit higher, yes. Okay. Well, bitches. Damn. This is... Well, uh, I will see it soon. Out of five movies... It's on my watch list. You've gotten what, one? One. It's cool. I'm, I'm sorry, Kim. It's fine. 
No one wants to hear me talk anyway. All right. Well, number six uh, on my list is Barbie. Higher which is my... higher. All right. <laughs> See? All right, bitches. I'm the one who gets snubbed this time. All right. Uh, my number six might be a uh, surprise. You might have thought it's going to be higher on mine. But uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's higher on mine! Higher on mine. <laughs> All right. So we yes. Woo! Woo! I never, I never got around to seeing it. You're supposed to I'm see it. I'm out. I just can't do superheroes right now. I'm well, just so superhero now. We will change your mind in just a few minutes <laughs> when we can converse about this. I very know, Blu-ray. Well, Cody, what is your number? My five? number five was a Barbie, which is further up on someone else's list. So we'll right. be talking about that. <laughs> As we have discovered, my number five is not on anyone else's list, and that is the movie Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, and this was the movie that disrupted my list because I watched it very last minute. And if you are not familiar with it, uh, it's a movie about a woman. She's a novelist. And uh, she has a son who is blind, and he uh, became blind when he was four years old because of an accident. Her and her husband, you know right from the get-go that something's a little bit kind of weird between their relationship, but um, almost immediately the husband dies. And he dies by falling out the window of the attic. And what follows is uh, the discovery that it's, inconclusive if he was killed because he hit his head in the fall or because he was hit on the head and someone pushed him out the window. So the wife is then put on trial. And uh, the it's a really compelling, like it's, you know, you've got the courtroom stuff, which is very much my cup of tea. But you have the, the shifting of, for every moment that you're convinced of her innocence, something else comes out where you're like, well, maybe she did do it. But then you get another perspective on something, and, and you change your mind again. And it's this kind of fluid and shifting idea of truth. And, and it has a little bit of the Gone Girl flavor to it without going fully in that direction. Uh, the performances are fantastic. The The lead actress in it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's really compelling. Uh, it's a mixture of mostly French and English because it takes place in France, but she speaks English, and so she speaks English whenever possible. She speaks English with her son and with her, her defense attorney. Uh, but it's it's an absolutely fantastic and, and just well-crafted movie that has the mystery as well as a family drama aspect to it that's really nice. Uh, I loved it. It's one I've wanted to see that I didn't hear about for, I never even heard of it, and all of a sudden it's everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, very much so. That's, that's where it went for me. Like, it was not on my radar at all, and all of a sudden, boom, everyone's talking about it, and everyone's raving about it. I think it, like, it in. premiered at a certain festival and then just kind of took off from there, but it, it all happened very quickly. Uh, even it's released in the United States. Was in November? Yeah, something like that. It was. Like, it's, not long ago, yeah. 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 It's, it's streaming now for like five bucks. Yeah. I've been meaning to rent it, but uh, sitting. Like, the problem with renting it is I have to watch a lot of things in bursts. Right. And I only have like two days to watch it. It's when you have the 48 half, hours. Two and a half hours mm-hmm. long and, 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 and multiple languages. It makes it kind of harder to sit down. And it's not one it. you can have on and not be giving yeah, your focus exactly. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I watch it, I'm like, okay, maybe I can be on my computer or maybe I can do this. But I, I do. I highly recommend it. And it's another <laughs> uh, female directed 
So, which I didn't know when I was watching it, but I, I looked it up after and I was like, yes. Not that we should watch things just because women direct them, but, you know. All right. We should watch things with fresh voices. You're up. I'm up. Speaking of which, that would be number five. Yes. That was number okay. five. Well, um, Kim, feel free to sit this one out. Go check your mail. Use the bathroom. Check on and cuddle the cat or whatever. Because my number five is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. As she leaves. <laughs> now, I, I, I fully understand why... Anderson's movies rub people the wrong way. His Is it me? Are, I'm the people. The, the people, you and everyone else who you're not the only person I know whose opinion I respect who yeah. really dislikes West. I've Anderson's never movies. liked a single one of his movies. Yeah, no, they I'm, are hyper stylized. They are hyper effective, and they are so obviously filigreed with the guy's signature. It's like he's got a calligraphy pen, he and it's got neon ink, and he writes all over. And this is he writes the most signature Wes Anderson all Anderson movie over. of all Wes Anderson movies. It kind of is. But it's like well, Wes we Anderson have and everywhere. On, and honestly, because of this, I really feel like I should detest his films. But I, I actually like them all, all the ones I've seen at least. And I really like this one. Uh, it's about a group of teenage inventors who are convening in a fictional desert town to be awarded for inventions. And it also kind of covers the family members uh, in their orbit. There's a UFO landing, and the story is delivered as sort of a play within a movie. And yes, like all of Wes Anderson's movies, it is designed and visually stylized to death. But the reason Anderson's movies work for me, and the reason this one worked for me especially, is that underneath the topsoil of all of this affectation and surface prettiness and whimsy dwells what I would describe as some necessary nutrients or dangerous toxins, depending on the circumstances, uh, in the form of some hard truths. And so uh, underneath this movie's candy-coated uh, surface, and in its very arch, highly stylized way, it addresses things like death, facing up to it, as well as the denial of it, loneliness, faith, and also finding romance when or where you least expect it. All of the characters are broadly drawn here, but it's an all-star cast, and they're perfectly pitched. And I adore Scarlett Johansson in this movie. She plays an actress uh, who's the parent of one of these child inventors, and she conveys this incredible amount of weariness and vulnerability and strength, and she kind of becomes the anchor of the movie. And I was just kind of dazzled and charmed because I felt like I was getting something that was unexpe unexpectedly substantial and resonant, um, despite it being a very surface despite it feeling like a very surface movie. So, yeah, I, unexpectedly big fan of it. I, I kind of loved it. Uh, yeah, Asteroid City is my number five. Yeah, and speaking, continuing on that, uh, you said everything uh, very prettily and better than I could. But, I, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, though I hated French Dispatch, so I'm not... 100% like see I haven't that seen again. that yet um, but Royal Tandemons is my top 10 movies of all time and I adore that and I think but I think as as I noted when, when I interrupted you during your, your spiel is that no this worries. is thinking the most most Wes Anderson of all Wes Anderson's every one of his visual oh it's not going to convert anybody who dis, who's to such a degree uh, yeah, the, but I love the the TV show of a play in the movie coming oh, within there, the multiple layers that uh, talks about you know, creativity, uh, like the ultimate, the to the wider lens, of course, everything you talked about, what the characters are going through is resonant, but also of 
yeah, of how the creative process works and the effect it has on the people who are playing those characters. Uh, but also, like, I'm, I love Americana uh, as, as, you know, even though oh, there's that yeah. dark side to it. And that definitely leans into that, this, this, this 60s space race positivity of, even if you see that, that dark level underneath it, say it's something like the Venture Brothers, uh, that really pervades in these characters. And you have, like, the most twee of all is twee characters. of it's, a, you know, the, the little geniuses that he, that he always leans into. Yeah. Um, but I think I, it just landed so much in that way um, that I was, I used the word earlier for, you know, how well it means how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I was just completely <laughs> engaged with it at every at every shift, and uh, especially when it made the, the various weird turns to different yeah. places where I didn't expect, oh, I didn't expect that to come out of this. And of course, yeah. featuring everyone he's ever featured in many ways before Tilda, and even more Tilda, everything more Tilda. Oh, yes. Tilda, Tilda and Jeff Goldblum only calls in for a minute, too. But, uh, but Jason Schwartzman's amazing. Um, uh, Brian Cranston really brings it home and, yeah um, uh, and every and I mean it's it's one of those movies that does a really good job of um, uh, kind of creating a mythology that it dovetails back on really nicely at the end I I was I was pretty much enchanted throughout I mean obviously you were too so. and Tom Hanks playing Bill Murray playing that character worked too oh god I know and <laughs> Tom I, Hanks I, just I, definitely played Bill uh, some of his felt like written for Bill Murray <laughs> yeah this, this is true yeah I really enjoyed it so, number five, Asteroid City. Uh, my number five, actually, we probably could talk about this if Cody said it, but I didn't realize it afterwards, uh, is Barbie. But I will say my top five uh, this year, you know, I didn't lead into this earlier, but, like, this year's been absolutely fantastic. It's really hard to choose a lot of things. So my top five is really all on the same level for me. Like, you can completely rearrange these and be just as fine for me. Uh, all my top five movies are, are rather different, even though a lot of them cover the same areas, uh, but still land on the same way, but there's kind of hard to compare how different they are. So, but my number five ultimately landed on Barbie from Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last person to bring it up is if other people want Spock first, Spock first. <laughs> Spock. <laughs> Please do Spock first. <laughs> it's very logical to love Barbie. Um, but it ended up on all of our lists. Like, I think yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. like the... Which doesn't even, happen too often when something is on all four of our yeah. lists. Even and that we didn't see together. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Because we all saw Talk to Me. We all enjoyed it. Of they end up on one of our lists, but or two of our lists. I don't know. But, one um, of our lists. Yeah. Honorable yeah. uh, mention on a couple. Yeah. But, uh, so I think Barbie landed really well for everyone. Something that could have been, like, like, like a movie ten years ago, something that could have been a cynical cash grab looking at a, a toy... Property like uh, battleship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on to end up talking about so many different bigger, bigger things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially feminism is, is the major mm-hmm. lens, uh, which pissed off a lot of guys. Just made me happy. Uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, they, there's been so, so much. There's been so much fucking squawking about how this is male bashing feminist propaganda. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Casablanca is one of the greatest films ever made, and it's ca- it's fucking propaganda for fuck's sake. That means nothing if if the delivery system is done as fucking well as this movie is. And I would have never thought in a million years that the most wonderfully lacerating <laughs> satire that I would see in one of the most sustained, you know, visual experiences of any movie I saw this year would be in a fucking movie about a toy line, <laughs> a line of toys. A very and it's just it is so film, good. Right? 
It is so good. It is design. It is beautifully designed. It has a surprising amount of emotional resonance. I mean, you've got this wonderful uh, kind of uh, variation on the Pinocchio story with Barbie, who is wonderfully played by Margot Robbie. You oh, yeah, have, Margot Robbie. And, and you know, people who are bitching about this being feminist propaganda are really, really oblivious to the fact that this movie is incredibly open-hearted, I think. Mm -hmm. Can, can yeah, I ask what's yeah. wrong with feminist propaganda? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> there is fucking nothing wrong with it. I mean, like, even it. if it is feminist propaganda, okay. Well, that's like, well, that's like anti-Nazi propaganda, Casablanca. It's the same principle. I will say this. I think Kim will agree with me. I don't think the Kins did anything wrong. And in fact, I think they were the true <laughs> oppressed minority of this movie. Um, and I think if you look at it that, through that lens, <laughs> this is a class-conscious movie and it's truly about the struggle of the oppressed Kens against their overlord Barbies, in which they win their freedom. <laughs> their overlord like, woke oppressors. Exactly. Woke beta feminism. I understand that you want him in somewhat one piece, but like a broken arm here, that's fine, right? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, cool. Oh, your good, your wife says sprain. it's fine. A good strong sprain. <laughs> but, like, yeah, but, but, but I did tell you like, the class consciousness is, is a major yeah. part of it. It's, yeah. not, it's not just like feminism. There's so much it, it speaks mm -hmm. to of how we treat uh you know anyone you know of of, of classes yeah. of, of races mm -hmm. of of gender like it, it speaks to so many things without being you know, overbearing without being you know uh too on the nose like uh, america for speech is oh my amazing. god yeah and then outside of a you know different that is like one of the most writer, well that's one of the best actor would cut off really yeah. awful mm -hmm. uh, that, that is like, that is landed a, so well absolutely mm -hmm. and absolutely. The, the turns from that and it does say a uh, metric butt ton of, of shit about so much stuff. I know I don't I know it's a very most uh, most speaking pretty um we speak pretty one day um, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it it touches so many different points and it's yeah. uh, and not only the performances that we talked about Mar Margot Robbie is fantastic but you know Ryan Gosling just like absolutely. absolutely killed it and like I love all the the meta stuff of like his interviews and how much he talked about why he did it and how like the movie broke him in a good way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. His, his interviews are just as, as amazing uh, coming into it. Uh, as, well, and a great self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great, yeah, and the whole movie is very self-aware mm -hmm. of, of it. Yeah. And but, but not like self-consciously and annoyingly so, you know? It is a smart movie that, that doesn't congratulate itself for being smart. And I, and I love that. And again, um, to riff in a more serious fashion on what Cody was saying, I think the movie is incredibly open-hearted because it doesn't make Ken and his fellow male Barbie Kens, whatever, into complete and total villains. It actually, there's actually a sense of redemption at the end, and you don't despise this this poor schleppy character at the very end of the movie. I mean, it it really, and I mean that alone to me, like, completely obliterates any argument about it being, you know. Any sort of propaganda. <coughs> no, I, I agree, and that's what that's why when the right wing people were like, "This is the worst movie ever," it's, I'm like, <laughs> it ends on a very good note. Yeah. I'm like, I would think you'd be thrilled about how it ended. You know that they didn't show you as complete villains. It's like, yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's also, I mean, the patriarchy is damaging to everyone. Yes. Thank you. That is like, one of the that's, most. That, that yes. to me was the. That is one of the most cogent points in the whole movie. Absolutely, not the yes, point, yes. but a major point. Yes. Right. Well, the the. I mean, that the Kens had become, in Barbie's land, the same way that, that 
women are sometimes, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'm just being nice. Uh, and 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 what happens when a group that's been marginalized that also gets that little taste of of power of anything and yeah. how it can take off? Uh, no, um, I was not expecting to to be so emotional about a movie about Barbies. Thank you. When when I first heard they were making a Barbie movie, I was like, "Well, that's something I'm going to skip." I had no desire to see it. It's like a popular phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I was thinking like the Battleship movie again. I was like, or the or the Haunted Mansions, like what an yep. obvious cash grab. Yep. Um, and then as stuff kind of started to come out about it, I was like, "Well, okay, this could be fun if nothing else." And I went and saw it at the Egyptian on opening night, and they did a big whole shebang of it. And I have to say, sitting in a sold out room. Uh, of of various folks uh, wearing their best pink, including myself. Yay! Uh, mine had the creature from the Black Lagoon on it. Thank you very much. Right on. Uh, and and just the delight, the the emotions, the laughter, and and the tears. Uh, experiencing that in a huge group was really something else. Um, what I found really interesting is I've been reading a number of articles about how apparently the Barbie movie has led to a number of breakups. Good. Uh, wow. By, by women who went and saw this with their boyfriends who didn't understand why they were getting so emotional about it, <laughs> particularly after like America for our speech. Yeah. Um, and, and that it led to, to some realizations about their partners. Uh, but no, this was, this was really, it was so well, and, and beyond like, Yes, the the fantastic messaging, um, the world, the yeah. world building yeah. that was done in it. Thank like you. from the first get go, when you're when you're watching Barbie start her morning, and the commitment to the detail of the doll, the you know Barbies don't they they you know they don't have to oh, walk I... these places. They they and she just just floats down to the surface when she's drinking something and there's nothing in it. The shower with no actual water. like I thought it was really funny when they were in the, the overworld. Uh, mm-hmm. And she goes, actually, I don't have any genitals. And they're like, oh, the genitals. <laughs> and the, and the, the look on her face, the delivery of that line was just so absolutely... Margot Raleigh fucking just insane. Yeah. She it's embodied insane. it. Yes. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's been rightfully a lot of buzz about Ryan Gosling's performance because he's hysterical and he's like surprisingly affecting. But I came out of it the most moved by Margot Robbie's performance because it was classic Pinocchio um, finding humanity. And I, I love the fact that you see character growth in a fucking doll. You know, I mean, it's it's so and and getting back to what you were saying about it, uh, like visually and in terms of creating a, a pocket universe, this in its own way is as flawlessly sumptuously designed as the most like you know elaborate costume drama epic ever. I mean, it's literally executed with that kind of precision. They come up with rules, mm-hmm. they stick with them, and it just, I yeah, I, it is a practical it's, set. It's Most a practical of that was practical set. as yeah. much as possible. Even like the things you think might be CG, like the traveling between the worlds and all those, those was done practically too. Mm-hmm. Like they did as much as they could in camera, which really I think helps sell it. Yeah. Well, and then I loved then the shift when things start to change for her. How we see Barbie having a really bad morning and uh, and delighted in that. Um, also, I love that every single like 
every single character we see in Barbie world is a Barbie. Yeah. yeah. Like, is an actual Barbie doll that has existed at some point. Uh, I liked the joke with the uh, the, the pregnant friend. Yes! <laughs> and Will Ferrell's like, oh, Mitch, I thought we just continued. Yeah. <laughs> but the actual Lord, she, I love but Michael funny Sarah is, Allen. Is, uh, is Alan is, is Alan. the father of Mitch's baby and the actual continuity of Barbie. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's right. It's but so yeah, he stole the show because people were like, Michael Sarah, I'm not seeing oh, that. He's one of the people who were like, I'm not so seeing that because he's in it and they're like, Will Ferrell. He but, was like, so he was, funny. I, it's, the, it's the funniest movie I saw all year. It's, it it's is hysterical. And it is spot perfect, and it's and the humor comes very organically from the character interactions and from the universe that Greta Gerwig, who shout out to her and bomb Noah Baumbach for the screenplay because I never thought I would say, wow, that movie about fucking Barbie toys is really well written and really spot on. But it's like it's very, and I think that's you know it it just ah. Oh. Greta Gerwig, uh, I'm so happy that this movie made a billion dollars and that it's basically given her carte blanche because, I mean, her guiding hand behind this movie, I think, is really what makes it sing. Yeah, and she killed it for um, Little Women and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Say the ones that, the other one, um, Lady Bird. <laughs> Very, like, she killed. So those are you know perfectly done movies yeah. too, which mm-hmm. are one of my tops of their years. But uh, I was say like, I can't like for the whole Barbieheimer thing. It's like I came with both movies that weekend were just filled with existential dread. <laughs> like, I didn't think Barbie would be filled with existential dread, but it, it is. <laughs> and they it's got true. Said, you know, but um, one thing that this may have a monkey paw moment for Hasbro is that they're they're starting like greenlit lighting all of these. Yeah. Which they, and it's like you know executives what? taking the wrong thing out of dude, it, dude. Yeah. That's that's what executives always do. When yeah. Die Hard came out, executives did not look at how tightly constructed it was and how well wrought the characters were and how the action hero was vulnerable and actually cut and bled. All they looked at was one liners and explosions. So of course, fucking producers are going to do that shit. Now, hopefully, they'll find somebody as sure-footed as Greta Gerwig to helm these things, and they'll make a. They'll make great movies out of all these franchises. I don't hold out a lot of hope for that. I but... am excited for the um, Connect Four movie based on the Irish potato famine. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be great. <laughs> Root! Hmm. All right, so that was number five. Where do we at? Four. So, uh, four. All right, and we'll do one more round, then we'll take a break. Number four, and I will say this. Um, as this is probably the best movie I saw, but it was not my favorite movie mm, of the year. Fair. And I know it's probably higher on somebody else's list. It's Oppenheimer. Yeah, higher. <laughs> I never saw I figured. it. <laughs> I figured it was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it, though. Thanks to Bob. Uh, but I'll, And I'm excited that I can join in the discussion for it, because, well, we're going to be talking about it. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll delay yeah. it. Uh, I'm on number four, right? Yes. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, all right. It is, it? maybe, higher on my list. All right. Bitches. So okay. Just a little bit. Sorry. That does... I've gotten two in, so you know. But you'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll step back and let you completely expound on <laughs> all of the ones that were higher on others' lists. Um, number four is one that I believe was on your list, which is Past Lives. 
Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Past um, lives. I haven't seen uh, it since. We well. actually, we, Kim and I we actually saw, saw this mm-hmm. at the opening night of mm-hmm. the Seattle International Film Festival 2023. Um, what was interesting <laughs> is that um, one of the conditions that A24 laid out in terms of me getting press tickets to the movie was that they required us to email them a one-sentence review slash assessment immediately after watching the fucking movie. That's a whole long, annoying story by itself. But I wrote... Still waters run achingly, ravishingly deep. And that is what this movie is all about. It's a very quiet, almost languidly paced drama about two South Korean childhood friends who are separated at age 12 when uh, the girl, Nora, uh, ends up, uh, her family moves to North America uh, and she ends up leaving her uh, male friend, uh, her 12-year-old male friend, Hae Sung, behind. Uh, And then uh, Celine Song, a writer, female writer, director, uh, traces the divergent... And initially a stage writer, playwright, yes, and director. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah. which shows in the best way. Um, anyway, um, she traces the divergent paths of uh, the two of these characters over the span of 24 years, and the movie touches in its own very quiet but very resonant way on the paths that are laid out to us by fate, by our own actions and inactions, and also it really does a wonderful job of, of uh, addressing kind of fairy tale romance versus reality. Um, the thing that's interesting is this movie doesn't, this is another doesn't reinvent the wheel, um, but a typical American movie in this fashion would basically set up a conflict that was underlined in magic marker letters two feet fucking high between Nora's immense fondless slash adolescent almost romance with Sung and her current reality is she's married to a fellow writer. She's a writer. Um, a white writer. A white writer, thank you. Uh, but the great thing is that um, Celine Song's touch is a lot more nuanced and elegant. Um, the characters here feel very real, and they're all, all the characters in it are very Im- much imbued with very real strengths and weaknesses. Next to nothing is stated, but there's a whole universe that's applied that's kind of implied underneath the surface. There's so much that's conveyed by just simple gestures and simple pauses and just a few, a few, few words. Um, the movie, to me, is much more infused by European art house cinema and also by the films of Kenzi Mizuguchi, uh, who's a Japanese director who worked in the 50s and 60s. Um, his work was characterized by movies that were also kind of similarly deliberately, kind of deliberately paced were filled with very beautiful imagery because this movie is absolutely gorgeous to look at and also movies that have a knack for empathizing with and really getting into the souls of the female characters. Um, so it, it owes a lot more to that than to the tradition of American romances slash indie movies. Um, and also I thought this was maybe the most intensely romantic movie that I saw all year. Uh, in very unexpected, elegant ways, in very nuanced ways. I just, I utterly captivated by it. I really want to see it again. And uh, yeah, I was just quietly blown away, I guess. Um, I think for me, uh, one of the things I loved again, I, I talked about this a little bit when we were talking about Brooklyn uh, 4 or 5, is that it was very obvious to me that she came out of the theater. There's a intimacy in the writing, in the scenes, and she's not afraid 
of moments. She's not afraid of a longer moment, an elongated beat, uh, a lingering that you don't always get, especially with contemporary filmmakers where everything has this need to be extremely fast-paced. There's no rush. Um, It's infused with memory and and recollection and, and... I also just love, you know, when she when she, we first meet her as a child uh, in in South Korea, um, uh, her her Korean name is it Na Young, yeah. Uh, but she changes her name to Nora when she moves to America, and and seeing this kind of also Americanization, what what happens as an immigrant moving here as a child and and taking on a whole new culture and and what that does and some of her struggle with that feeling between the two worlds where where she came to America young enough that she feels all these elements of being an American, but she never fully fits in. But when she goes back to visit, she doesn't fully fit in because now she has all of these American qualities. Uh, it's uh, It was her, um, Celine Song, it's her directorial debut, which makes me really excited. God, I know. Because if this is what we get on the first attempt, what are we going to get moving forward? Oh, God, uh, I know. She she wrote the screenplay as well. It was is semi autobiographical. It was inspired by uh, her own reconnecting with her first love. Um, but yeah, just a really beautiful, understated film. It it isn't trying to do anything other than exist in a moment, and it's it's just. Absolutely lovely. Yeah, I, I again, I was captivated by, it. and I, I, yeah, I, what you said basically. I just think it's, it's such a quiet treasure of a movie, and uh, I've heard people complain about the fact that nothing happens. I think, I think, and again, this gets back to your point about the pacing. I think it also gets to the point of how Western audiences, specifically American audiences, yeah. are conditioned to want conflict Mm -hmm. to want some sort of a to b to c set of conflicts and also but bless you and also they want a bad guy a good guy Mm -hmm. a romantic lead very clear cut exactly and the thing that's wonderful about this movie is again all of the characters in it feel real they they have strengths they have weaknesses they have aspects of them that frustrate the shit out of you Mm -hmm. and they have aspects in them that powerfully move you. And yeah, I, I, I'm so looking forward to what she does next. It's just, um, A24 distributed it. Um, it is, is it, I know it's streaming on demand, but I'm not sure if it's, it's streaming. It's a $5 rental. I was gonna say, I think it's still rental, but it is yeah. available to rent, and yeah, I'm sure within the Amazon. next few months it'll yeah. be streaming somewhere. And and it's also, and hopefully, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Oscar buzz for it, because I and I really hope it does get some, because I think in particular, Celine Song really, really deserves kudos. And I, you know, thank you for bringing up the, the um the intimacy aspect of it the dialogue aspect of it the theatrical aspect of it in a very good unselfconscious way that integrates really beautifully with the fact that this is really a movie i'm so glad we saw it on a big screen yes because it's also it is beautiful imagery it is it is so gorgeously shot and it's again kind of getting back to the obscure reference of mizuguchi's movies he does a lot of his movies are in black and white but he does a lot of kind of similarly composed shots where it's medium and long shots there's Mm -hmm. not a huge amount of like close-ups 
Um, and when there are close-ups, they're very deliberately. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. they're yeah. very deliberately decided upon. Yeah, uh, it, it's phenomenal. It's just such a good movie. And I, I also just enjoy too. We get that opening shot of the couple of the bar, and we you assume something. We have we see a couple of the bar, and we think certain things. We we have uh, certain connotations. We just associate. We assume, and then diving into. The reality was yeah. was Cause, just yeah because this this couple is looking in on the three central characters <laughs> of the movie and this couple who's watching them interact is making assumptions and then song very elegantly uh-huh. fleshes out what these three characters are and it turns out to be much more complex much more nuanced and much much more moving than anything that these. I mean, yeah, these two characters who are talking about these three main characters are basically making the kind of assumptions that a typical Hollywood movie would make about yeah. this type of movie. All of these the types tropes. Of characters. And it you. goes against all of the tropes. It's so good. God, Which I, is what's so clever. I just, I, I just, if she makes another movie that's half as good, I am going to be so there for it. This is, also, this is on my two watch list, but also the same reason. Like, I have to rent it and split it over a couple of days. And I yeah. get the time to do that. And, and it, it'll be streaming soon enough. Yeah. And, and it's actually, I think it's one of those movies that is actually as wonderful as it was to see on the big screen. Uh, I think it will also play really well as long as you're watching it undistracted on a small screen. Because the emotions are so intimate and so immediate and yet so subtle. It'll, I think it'll translate really well if you're I, watching it. I might get moment. a SAG code to watch it, too, in which case. All right, we'll talk about that. So anyway, <laughs> Past Lives, yes. my number four in Kim's top ten as well. Uh-huh. Great movie. Uh, my number four is, I'm not sure if it's on anyone else's list, but we'll find out. Uh, four Things. Higher! Okay. <laughs> wasn't sure what your ultimate thoughts were on it. So I'm Higher! Like, All right, cool. Higher! So we'll... Put a I pin on there, am... and also put a pin on ourselves. Oh, I'm so irritated that I have not had a chance to see this yet. But we'll put see it in theaters. On... That's we'll we'll put heard. a pin in our conversation here and take a break, and in part one of our podcast, and we'll come back for part two. Back after these messages. So far. And uh, we'll see you on part two of this.